Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I'm Dylan Tyre, and this is Believe in Ohio State. Welcome to another week of Believe in Ohio State. Happy to have you back with me. First, we're going to break down Ohio State's narrow victory over Indiana this past Saturday at Ohio Stadium. Then we're going to get into breaking down this week's matchup with Illinois on the road in Champaign. So we've got that to look forward to. As always, I'm going to be talking with Ohio State superfan Jacob Jarvis. We'll get his thoughts on Ohio State's victory over Indiana. We'll get his thoughts And of course, his score prediction for Ohio State versus Illinois. We've got Buckeyes in the NFL. We've got my NFL picks. And of course, we're going to finish things up with my game picks this week for Ohio State and the Fighting Illini. So a lot to go over this week on Believe in Ohio State. But before we do any of that, I've got to tell you about Bet Online because we love Bet Online because Bet Online makes this podcast possible. And you need to take advantage of Bet Online right now because the NFL season is going on, college football is going on. We've got so many things ready to start. The NBA is going to get started towards the end of towards the end of December. Excuse me. The NHL they're talking about a possible start date right now, starting to figure things out there. So we've got a lot going on, and we also have a lot to look forward to. And the place that you need to be to get in on all of this action is Bet Online. Now, Bet Online has got everything you're going to want. They've got game spreads, they've got totals, they've got team props, player props, even coaching props. They've got everything you could possibly want to have some fun and to make some money right now. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Such a, such a great opportunity with a lot of free money out there on Bet Online. If you put some money in, they're going to give you a little bit of free money to wager with as well. So just a great deal at Bet Online right now. So make sure to get there. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook 
experts. So uh, some opportunities to make some money this week. I hope you were able to make some money last week as I uh, had a really good week in the NFL. Didn't do so well when it came to Ohio State in Indiana. I was 500 there. I was one of two on my picks for that game. But we're going to hope to get back on track this week with Ohio State and Illinois. So we've got my NFL picks. We've got my Ohio State-Illinois picks yet to come. But uh, let's get started with our thoughts on that Indiana game for Ohio State. A 42-35 victory for the Buckeyes. Uh, It was a weird game. At times, it felt like Ohio State was going to pull away and dominate. It didn't feel like Indiana was very good. At other times, it felt like Indiana was uh, deservedly so a top-10 opponent, a team that could hang with Ohio State, a team that had an opportunity to beat Ohio State. There were good things in the game for the Buckeyes. There were plenty of bad things in the game for the Buckeyes. So uh, let's talk about that right now. First and foremost, I liked Ohio State's start to the game. They started very, very fast. On the opening kickoff, Josh Proctor comes down the field, absolutely hammers the Indiana return man. That sets the tone early. The Buckeyes are all gassed up. They're juiced up. They're ready to go. And that was great. It was very, very exciting. Buckeyes come up with a stop. And then they get the ball on offense. So they've already stymied the Indiana offense very, very quickly in the game. And the Buckeyes have the ball with an opportunity to score quickly and set the tone in the game. They did exactly that. They scored in two plays. They sliced and diced. It was two passes to Garrett Wilson, and Ohio State was up 7 to nothing. It was very, very quick. And at that point in the game, it was like, oh, my God, Ohio State is head and shoulders above Indiana. This could be 80 to nothing, and this is going to be a massive blowout. Well, little did we know that Justin Fields was going to make some mistakes in the game and Indiana was able to w- would be able to stay in it and take advantage of uh, what was a very porous Ohio State defensive backfield. They stay in the game. They make things close at the very end. Despite being down big at different points in this game, they were down big at halftime, but the Buckeyes let them right back into the game the same way they did against Rutgers, so that's an area that Ohio State is going to have to fix. But uh, a couple of other good things from the game for Ohio State. I liked the fast start. I also liked what Ohio State's defensive front did in that game, and particularly in the first half. Ohio State's defense was great in the first half. They only gave up a touchdown. And uh, that was despite a couple of turnovers there in the first half for the Buckeyes as well. But the defense stood tall. And that was thanks in part and mostly in part to the work of their front seven and in particular the work of their defensive line. Ohio State was getting penetration, it felt like, on almost every single play. Whether it was Tommy Togiai, Haskell Garrett, Jonathan Cooper, any of those guys. Felt like they were handling things at the line of scrimmage. They were imposing their will. They were getting the push, and that was benefiting the rest of the defense. I mean, Indiana couldn't run the ball the entire game. The entire game. They didn't even have 10 yards rushing the entire game. It all came through the air, but it wasn't because of that defensive line. The defensive line was getting through. The one thing that Ohio State needs to start doing a little bit more is finishing with the sacks, getting a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. But in a game like that against Indiana, Michael Penix Jr. made things happen with his feet. He was able to keep plays alive a little bit, toss that ball up. So, I mean, you can't fault the defensive line that much for not getting him down because he is a good quarterback. He is obviously a good a good quarterback. He can make things happen for that team. But I really did like what the Ohio State defensive front did in that game. They were wreaking a lot of havoc. Indiana couldn't run the ball whatsoever. And uh, they were they were making things difficult for Michael Penix Jr. It wasn't their fault that those passes were falling into the hands of the Indiana wide receivers. 
The last thing that I want to talk about uh, in terms of good things for Ohio State in the game against Indiana, the 42-35 victory, was the running game. Finally, Ohio State looked like vintage Ohio State. They looked like themselves when it came to running the football. Master Teague had maybe the best game of his collegiate career, running for well over 100 yards. Trey Sermon was over six yards a carry as well. The Buckeyes running backs looked good, and Master Teague had that long 40-yard touchdown. He was finally able to pop a run, and uh, I think that really got things going for Ohio State. They were running at will against Indiana, and frankly, I would have liked to see them um, run the ball a little bit more. I would have liked to have seen them run the football even more than they did, even more than they did. Uh, they were dominant in the run game. I thought they exposed Indiana's run defense. I thought they were able to get things going. I thought the offensive line finally looked good when it came to run blocking. And uh, it's not that Ohio State wasn't necessarily efficient running the football the first couple of games. They're running for nearly 200 yards a game. But it didn't look pretty. In, in the game against Indiana, it did look pretty. So I was very happy to see that for Ohio State. And I hope it continues against Illinois. And I hope that kind of gets uh, the momentum going downhill for Ohio State in the running game is able to be that good and even better for the remainder of this season. Because Ohio State's going to need some semblance of a running game if they want to compete when it comes to the college football playoff and potentially a national championship. And with the college football playoff and a national championship in mind, let's talk about the bad from that game against Indiana. First and foremost, Justin Fields played the worst game of his collegiate football career. It seemed like he was just trying a little bit too hard. He was forcing things, and those led to those interceptions. They were bad decisions by Justin Fields. Justin Fields, rather. Um, But... uh, I think Ohio State just got a little bit too excited. They score that quick touchdown. They've got the big hit on the kickoff by Josh Proctor. They wanted to put their foot down. They wanted to put their foot on the throat of Indiana and really run away with the game early. And I think Justin Fields felt that momentum, and he got a little bit too caught up in it. He had that two-play drive to start things with a big touchdown pass, and then he wanted to do it again on the second drive when he throws the interception, forces that ball. Then on his other two interceptions, he's scrambling around, he, he's trying to throw a ball up, let a guy make a play, and they get intercepted. Those are just not smart passes by Justin Fields, and that's not something we've ever seen from Justin Fields before. I said going into the game, and everybody said this going into the game, you know, Indiana thrives on turnovers, and Justin Fields just isn't going to turn the football over because he had never done that before. And it wasn't really for what Indiana was doing. It was just that he was trying to force things too much. It wasn't that Indiana was hawking the ball or anything. It's that Justin Fields was making bad decisions and forcing things like we've never seen him do before. So I don't know if he sees that Trevor Lawrence is out another week or he's not going to be able to play because Clemson's game was called off against Florida State. He he sees that Trevor Lawrence isn't playing and he wants to put up big numbers. He wants to win a Heisman. I don't know if it, it comes down to that. I think Ohio State just wanted to win that game big and prove that they are one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country, and they got a little bit too caught up in that, and some bad decisions happened because of it. Now, I'm very interested to see how Justin Fields responds against Illinois and against uh, the rest of the Ohio State schedule going forward. I expect that that's not going to happen again for Justin Fields in Ohio State, but it could. But uh, definitely, we, we were not expecting that from Justin Fields in that game against Indiana It's not even that those turnovers kept Indiana in the game. They didn't really do much scoring off the interceptions by Justin Fields. 
But what it did was give them the football and give them a little bit of hope, and it put more stress on the Ohio State defense. And the defense finally broke in the second half. But uh, but Justin Fields needs to be better. It's as simple as that. He needs to be better, and he needs to be better in big games against big-time opponents because Ohio State is going to need him to be big in those games. He's their best player, and they need him to be their best player. Do I expect that to happen again from Justin Fields? Absolutely not. But we have to talk about it. We have to talk about what went wrong for him in that game against Indiana. And I don't necessarily attribute it to anything other than he was trying too hard to be that elite quarterback. And I think he just needs to trust himself, trust his offensive line, trust his play calling, and trust his wide receivers that if he puts the ball on them, if he calms everything down like he seems to always do, at least ahead of this Indiana game, if he trusts those guys and lets them do their jobs, then Ohio State will be just fine. Something else that we got to talk about from that game, the officiating. The Big Ten officiating, I mean, has been awful this season. I've been discouraged every single week I've watched Ohio State. I've been discouraged watching these other games. I mean, that Purdue game against Minnesota on Friday night, really, really terrible officiating in that game. The officiating in the Ohio State-Indiana game was consistently bad, and that's what Big Ten officiating has been this season. We need it to be better. There needs to be some sort of accountability for these officials because they have to do their job, and they have to do their job well, and they have to be better than what they have been. I mean, Ohio State forces a fumble early in that game. That's a clear fumble to me on television, and they call it down on the field. They don't even review. Ohio State should have had the ball in a short field with an opportunity to take a big lead. But the ball is ruled down. They don't even review it. And on the replay they show on TV, it's clear as day, a fumble. So that's awful right there. Then later in the game, Ohio State gets to Michael Penix. Um, he, He gets the ball away, it appears. They call it an incomplete pass on the field. Then they actually do review that play. It looks like the ball's starting to move before it comes out of his hand. And it's not even, it's not a fumble. They don't rule it a fumble, which I think it should have been. They don't rule it a fumble, but they say that they've confirmed the ruling on the field, which that means without a shadow of a doubt, they see that as an incomplete pass, which that doesn't make any sense to me because the ball's starting to come out as his hand is going forward. So I thought that should have been a fumble and it should have been Ohio State ball again, but it was not. So there's two turnovers right there that Ohio State should have had go in their favor. Then there's the face mask call against Indiana that wasn't a face mask. Ohio State benefits from that. There's the unnecessary roughness call early in the game on Ohio State offensive lineman Wyatt Davis when he's getting illegal hands to the face, when he's getting hands to the face well after the play and he shoves the guy away, the flag's called on him. That's bad. There's just stuff like that happening. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. These officials just need to be better. I mean, you can miss a call here and there. I get it. It's a tough job. But when you've got replay, it's like the ball's out. It looks like a clear fumble. So replay it. But they didn't even do that. Um, That's just a major, major issue. And it's going to get to the point that teams are going to lose games. They're going to win games because of these calls. I mean, we saw what happened in that Purdue-Minnesota game. Purdue gets jobbed at the end of that game, and they end up losing. I mean, it's impossible to say whether or not they would win that game had the calls gone their way, but the calls didn't give them the opportunity, and the calls were bad, frankly. I mean, Purdue missed a couple of field goals in that game that would have tied it, that would have won the game. Had they made the field goals, they didn't. 
but uh, the officiating came down to, or it came down to the officiating at the end of the game, and I hate when that happens. I don't think it should come down to that, but that's the way it's gone this season in the Big Ten Conference, and I hope it goes away. The Big Ten officiating has to get better. So I'm going to leave it at that. The, the officiating has been a, a massive issue for me, and it's really, really, really frustrated me this season. So, you know, I don't want to harp on them too much because I know it's a really, really tough job. Everything's easier uh, when it comes to hindsight. But, I mean, in, in real time, they have to be better because some of these things have been ridiculous. Ohio State has has really run into some tough officiating this season. So I don't want to be too hard on these guys, but I do want you to know that it has been very, very irritating and very frustrating for me to watch Ohio State all season long. A couple of other things that Ohio State needs to improve on from that game against Indiana. Uh, the kicking. I mean, Blake Hobiel, they need that guy healthy. The, the backup kicking has not gotten it done and it makes things sketchy at the end of that game. Ohio State comes down. They've they've got an opportunity on fourth down. They can kick a short field goal to go up 10, or they can go for it. They decided to go for it because Seibert, the kicker, had missed a longer field goal earlier in the game. They don't have the confidence in the young kicker. They go for it on fourth down. They end up not getting it. Oh, and by the way, there was a missed targeting call on that play. Justin Fields was hammered in the head after the pass was incomplete, no flag on the plate. But anyway, the kicking's got to improve, and it's going to improve when Blake Hobiel gets healthy. Uh, at, at this point, the the Buckeyes clearly haven't needed the kicker that much this season. I, I assume they're getting Hobiel 100% healthy for the biggest games, when they're going to need him down the stretch. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be ready this week against Illinois, if he's maybe not even 100% this week. If he was 98% this week, I don't even think he would play against Illinois. They're saving him for when they're going to need him. Um, I'd expect him back potentially for that Michigan State game coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So the kicking I want to see get better. And then, of course, the last thing that, that everybody has talked about all season long that has to get better if Ohio State wants to have a chance in the college football playoff is the defensive backfield. They were torched for 500 yards against Indiana. I mean, it was historically bad for Ohio State. One of the worst passing performances they have allowed in the history of the program. It has to it has to get better. Now, Ohio State uh, co-defensive coordinator, the guy that runs the DBs, Kerry Combs, he's come out and said that it's on him. It's 100% on him to get this fixed. Ohio State is likely going to try some new defensive backfield combinations this week against Illinois, so that it remains to be seen who's going to be back there, but Ohio State has to be better when it comes to the DBs. Absolutely, they have to be better if they want to have a chance. I don't know how that happens. They, they have to have players step up. They need guys to improve, and, and hopefully that's the case as these games continue on this season, is these young guys get more playing time. Hopefully, they're able to naturally get better, but uh, the one thing that makes it difficult is the teams you're playing for the remainder of the season don't have great passing attacks. You're going to play Illinois, going to play Michigan State, going to play Michigan. You're likely going to play Northwestern in a Big Ten championship game. None of those teams are great throwers of the football. You're frankly not going to get a good test again until the college football playoff, until you play in Alabama, until you play a Clemson, maybe some of these other teams, a BYU, I don't really know. Um, 
But Ohio State, they have to get better in the defensive backfield, and it has to happen quick. Um, I hope we're able to see some improvement. Um, I mean, you don't know how it's going to go against a team like Illinois or Michigan State that's really struggled to throw the football this season. But we need to see some plays made. We need to feel good about the DBs going into the college football playoff if Ohio State wants to have a chance. Now, Sean Wade had the big pick six against Indiana. That's a good sign that he's getting more comfortable playing outside. But everybody else in that defensive backfield has to step up for Ohio State. So let's leave it at that. That's going to do it for our conversation here, Ohio State and Indiana, the Buckeyes' 42-35 victory. The spread, we did not hit the spread in that game. The over did hit in that game. So we went one of two, able to go 500. Hopefully you were able to make your money back from the spread loss with the over. So at least, uh, or I hope at least I was able to do that for you. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to talk about the Indiana game anymore. Kind of a weird game. Let's hope it was an anomaly. I think it will be. I don't think that happens again to Justin Fields. Now, it may happen again to the Ohio State defensive backfield, but I think we can all assume the offense is going to be much better than that going forward. Now let's talk about the National Football League. What former Buckeyes in the NFL did this past week in the National Football League? Right now it's time for Buckeyes in the NFL. First and foremost, let's Start off with the number one overall draft pick facing off against the number two overall draft pick for the first time this season, Chase Young going up against Joe Burrow. Chase Young in that game was fabulous for the Washington football team. He had a massive, massive hit and forced fumble on the goal line against Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow trying to run for a touchdown, scramble for a touchdown. Chase Young, a very heady play, gets back off the line of scrimmage, sprints to the goal line, meets Joe Burrow there, hammers him from the side. Burrow loses the football, Washington has it, and Chase Young's the hero. So Chase Young, very, very good performance against the Bengals in that game. He's going to be a star in the National Football League. Another guy that's going to be a star is Joe Burrow, but very, very bad news coming out of that game for the Bengals and their young quarterback, the number one overall pick, the Heisman Trophy winner, the national champion, all that. Joe Burrow was hurt in that game, torn ACL, torn MCL, more structural damage in the knee. He's going to be out this season at least. My money would be on he's going to be out going into the beginning at least of next season. The injury did not look pretty. He had a defensive lineman going straight into his knee. My guess when I saw it on replay was an ACL and an MCL and more. That's what it turned out to be. It looked like just a complete explosion of the knee. Very, very ugly injury for Joe Burrow. Uh, You got to hope that he's going to recover and return to his old form after an injury like that. It's going to be a long, long process, a difficult process to recovery, but we love Joe Burrow. I don't know anybody that doesn't love Joe Burrow. He's a competitor. He just seems like a really, really great guy, and obviously he's just a fantastic talent at the quarterback position. So we we really do wish the best for Joe Burrow. Our thoughts are with him in this recovery because that was just a nasty, nasty injury, a really unfortunate injury for a guy that has a bright future ahead. So let's hope that Joe Burrow is able to recover. Let's hope that he's able to recover in timely fashion, and let's hope that he's able to get back to the form that we saw this season whenever he's able to get back on a National Football League field. 
Another Ohio State rookie, or a former Ohio State Buckeye rookie, Jordan Fuller. He has had a fantastic season. He's the starting, or one of the starting safeties for one of the best defenses in the National Football League. When he got drafted, I mean, he was a six-round pick. Uh, everybody's like, ah, this guy, he might contribute on special teams, be a competent backup. Nope. He steps right in to start at safety for the Rams, and he picks off Tom Brady twice in the Rams' victory on Monday night. So congratulations to Jordan Fuller. Fabulous game against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Two interceptions against arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Curtis Samuel, he stays red hot for the Carolina Panthers. Eight catches, 80 yards, and his fifth touchdown in his last five games. It was five weeks ago that I challenged Curtis Samuel, that I said, I need to see more out of Curtis Samuel He has not been the guy that they drafted a couple of seasons ago. Well, these past five weeks, he's been exactly that. He's been a Swiss Army knife for that offense, running the football, catching the football. He has been great. So a big day again for Curtis Samuel and the Panthers' shutout victory over the Detroit Lions. Eight catches, 80 yards, and a score. So I'm very, very happy for Curtis Samuel. Hopefully you have him on your fantasy team because that's starting to pay dividends. Uh, Talking about another former Ohio State defensive back, Denzel Ward. He had a huge, huge day for the Cleveland Browns against the Eagles in that victory on Sunday. Four pass breakups, a game-sealing interception, and a massive hit on Carson Wentz that forced a pick six early in that game. So big, big day for Denzel Ward. But uh, there is a little bit of bad news out of Cleveland as it sounds like Denzel Ward is going to miss a little bit of time now with an injury. So hopefully he's able to get back on the field quickly because they need him in Cleveland. He he has been huge this season. He is a guy that is frequently hurt, but when he's on the field, he is absolutely fantastic. Now what to Ezekiel Elliott? I have not talked about Ezekiel Elliott a whole lot this season. He's struggled as Dallas has struggled this season. But finally, a good game for Ezekiel Elliott. 103 yards on the ground, a touchdown through the air in the Cowboys' victory. So congratulations to Ezekiel Elliott. Hopefully he gets back on track and is uh, able to perform as, as truly what he is, one of the best running backs in the NFL. I hope he's able to perform that way for the remainder of the season, but hopefully 103 yards and a touchdown is able to get him back on track. Speaking of getting back on track, Michael Thomas, finally healthy now. Nine catches for 104 yards in the Saints' victory this past week. Nine catches and 104 yards from not Drew Brees, remember, from Taysom Hill. So some of you out there might have thought that Michael Thomas's production would dip with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Not so. Nine catches, 104 yards. He now has the most catches by anyone through their first five seasons in NFL history, so continuing to write history, continuing to break records, Michael Thomas with that nine-catch performance breaks a new record. He now has the most catches in NFL history by anybody through their first five seasons. Last thing I want to talk about, Buckeyes in the NFL. It was a big week for Buckeyes in the NFL. I've read off a lot of names this week. But uh, the last guy that I'm going to talk about, J.K. Dobbins, 70 yards and a touchdown leading the Ravens. He got the majority of the carries out of the backfield this week for Baltimore, which is good to see. But unfortunately, J.K. Dobbins has since tested positive for COVID-19, so not looking good for J.K. uh, going into this Thursday night game 
against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. A big, big matchup for Baltimore on Thanksgiving, but doesn't look like J.K. Dobbins is going to be available there. Mark Ingram also tests positive for COVID-19, so it looks like the Ravens are going to be without two of their biggest threats in the backfield, but J.K. Dobbins, a big game on Sunday, 70 yards and a touchdown. That led um, Baltimore, but uh, not looking good for J.K. going forward. Now let's go over my NFL picks. Give you my picks for this coming week. First, we're going to go over my picks from last week. I had a good week. I was 4-2. and two. Go over the picks very quickly. In case you're just joining me for the first time, every single week I pick the Bengals, the Washington football team, the Saints, the Raiders, the Lions, and the Colts because all those teams boast the most former Buckeyes in the NFL. I also pick Sunday night football as well as Monday night football. So that's how we do it every single week. Here's how it went last week for me. I had the Panthers covering one and a half points against the Lions. They did that and more. They shut out the Lions, so I hit that bet to open things up last week. On Sunday at one, it was the Saints and the Falcons. I like the Saints by five in that game. I bet I picked that game when we still thought Drew Brees was going to be the quarterback. I picked that game when we thought uh, that Jameis Winston was going to be the quarterback. It turned out that Taysom Hill was the quarterback. The Saints covered no problem, so we started off 2-0 and as the Saints were able to handle the Falcons. Another game at Sunday or on Sunday at 1 Eastern, the Bengals and the Washington football team. I thought the Bengals were going to cover in that game. I thought the Bengals were going to win outright in that game. Well, that was assuming that Joe Burrow was going to be healthy. He was hurt, unfortunately, pretty early in that game. Ryan Finley comes in, and I'm sorry, Bengals fans, but Ryan Finley's not going to win any football games for you. Uh, I'd be shocked if he covered any football games for you, frankly. So we unfortunately lost that bet as Washington was able to beat and cover against the Cincinnati Bengals. So we start off 2-1. and one. Going to the later slate of games, Sunday at 425, the Packers and the Colts. I liked the Colts by two and a half points in that game. They were able to cover as uh, they knock off the Packers in overtime. Rodrigo Blankenship with a field goal, so we narrowly cover in the uh, Packers and Colts game. Colts minus two and a half. We hit the bet, so then we are three and one. Going into Sunday night football, it was the Chiefs and the Raiders. I thought the Chiefs were going to win that game big. I thought the Chiefs were going to show up on Sunday night. Well, they did exactly that, coming back in dramatic fashion. They won that game uh, on the final drive, vintage Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you kind of expected that, didn't you? But the Raiders are pretty good. Derek Carr has kind of revived his career under John Gruden. He looked good in that game against uh, Kansas City. He had his team um, in a position to win that football game if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes. So the Raiders were able to cover the seven points against the Chiefs, so we did not hit that bet. We're 3-2 and two going into Monday Night Football. The Rams and the Buccaneers, I thought the Rams were going to win that game outright going in. I thought them as three-point underdogs was a little bit ridiculous. I think the Rams are a much better football team than what the Buccaneers have shown this season. And that was exactly the case on Monday night. The Rams win that game outright. We hit the bet. We finish the week off 4-2, and two, make a little bit of money. And now on the season, we are three games over 500 at 37-34. and 34. So let's hope to keep it rolling this week as it's now time for this week's NFL picks. We've got a big slate of games, nine picks this week. First, starting off with our first Thanksgiving game, 
12.30 Thursday afternoon. It's the Texans at the Lions. The Texans are two-and-a-half-point favorites against Detroit, and that's going to be my pick. I think the Lions are awful. I think they've got a lot of disarray in the locker room. I don't like what Matt Stafford has done this season. I don't trust their defense. And frankly, I don't trust really anybody on their offense outside of Kenny Galladay. And they've been without Kenny Galladay for much of this season. I think he's probably going to be back this week against the Texans. I don't think it's going to matter. I like Deshaun Watson covering the two and a half points in this game. So my pick is the Texans minus 2.5. Now one of the later games on Thanksgiving, Thursday at 425, the Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys. I like the Cowboys minus three in this game against Washington. I think they were finally able to find a little bit of rhythm in their victory this past week. I think Andy Dalton is starting to feel a little bit more comfortable for Dallas. And remember, Washington's not very good. So I like the Cowboys bouncing back after a bad start this season. I like the Cowboys covering my pick, the Cowboys minus three on Thanksgiving against the Washington football team. Now on to Sunday. Sunday at 1 Eastern, the Raiders and the Falcons. The Raiders are three-point favorites. I'm going to go Raiders minus three in this game. Um, Similar to the way that I talked about the Lions, I don't trust the Falcons whatsoever. They have not looked good at all this season. They have weapons on offense. They just can't seem to utilize them. So I like the Raiders minus three on Sunday against Atlanta. Also, Sunday at 1 Eastern, the Giants at the Bengals. The Giants are six-point favorites. I'm going to go Giants minus six because I don't think the Bengals have anything now that Joe Burrow's done there without Joe Mixon. I mean, A.J. Green isn't the elite receiver he once was. I think T. Higgins is going to be good, but he needs a good quarterback like Joe Burrow. Ryan Finley is not that, so my pick is the Giants minus six in Cincinnati. Another game Sunday at 1 Eastern, the Titans at the Colts. Doesn't it feel like these two teams just played? Well, they played two weeks ago, and the Colts won. We hit that bet when it happened. I like the Colts to finish off the season sweep of the Titans, well, at least the regular season sweep. So I like the Colts minus 3.5 against Tennessee. I think the Colts' defense is just way too good. I think they are for real. I think Phillip Rivers is starting to gel with that offense. The wide receivers are starting to get comfortable with him. They're finding ways to run the football by committee. I like Indianapolis a lot. I think they're going to cause problems for teams down the stretch. I think the defense is that good. So my pick is the Colts minus three and a half against the Titans. Another game Sunday at 1 Eastern, the Panthers at the Vikings. My pick is the Panthers plus four and a half because I don't think the Vikings are that good. I mean, they've shown flashes these past couple of weeks. But so have the Panthers. The Panthers are a team that seems to stick around. No matter who's at quarterback, no matter who's at running back, they've had a lot of injuries this season. But I think Matt Rule has something cooking down there in Carolina, and I like what the Panthers have done. I like them this season. I don't think they pose really any threat when it comes to the playoffs, but I like them as a team that covers a lot, and that's something they have done all season long. So my pick is the Panthers plus 4.5 at Minnesota. Now going to the later games on Sunday, Sunday at 4.05 Eastern, the Saints at the Broncos. The Saints are only five and a half point favorites. It'll probably probably be a little bit of iffy weather in that game, but I don't think the Broncos have very much. I don't think Drew Locke is the answer at quarterback for them. I think the the Saints are starting to roll. I think their defense looks good, and I think Taysom Hill might be a decent option at quarterback. I think he is what they need at quarterback. I think he has it. So my pick is the Saints minus five and a half in Denver. Now going to Sunday night football, the Bears and the Packers. 
Why do they keep doing this to us? I'm a huge Bears fan, and I cannot be subjected to watching them suck on offense on national football or on national television again. The Bears have been on national TV way too much this season. Their defense deserves it. Their defense is very, very good. They have an elite defense. The offense is the exact opposite. It has been awful this season. It pains me to watch it every week. Why do I have to watch the Bears lose to the Packers this week on Sunday Night Football as everybody watches it, as everybody texts me, oh, the Bears offense is so bad. No kidding, I watch it every week, and I've watched this Bears offense every week for the past however many seasons that they have been this bad. I mean, this Bears season mirrors last Bears season to a T. Great defense, atrocious offense, yet the offense might be even worse this season. So while the Packers are going to beat the Bears this week, on Sunday night football. I can almost guarantee that. I've got the Bears covering seven and a half points. I think that's too much. I think the Bears defense is that good. I think they're going to cause issues for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So even though the Bears are going to lose this game, they've hung around in every single game they have played this season. Every game has been pretty close. There's not one blowout on the Bears schedule. So I like the Bears covering. My pick is the Bears plus seven and a half at Lambeau Field against the Packers on Sunday night football. Now the final pick of the week, Monday Night Football, the Seahawks at the Eagles. My pick is the Seahawks minus six because the Eagles are awful. Carson Wentz is awful. I have zero faith in him. I have zero faith in the Eagles. They can't do anything. They cannot do anything. The Eagles stink. And on the other side of things, the Seahawks defense might not be great this season, but they've got Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson makes things happen. He keeps the Seahawks in every single game, and I think he is going to beat the Eagles big this week on Monday Night Football. So my final pick of the week, pick number nine, is the Seahawks minus six in Philadelphia. Go over the picks this week one more time, all nine of them. Pick number one, the Texas, the Texans rather minus two and a half at the Lions. Pick number two, the Cowboys minus three against Washington. Pick number three, the Raiders minus three at the Falcons. Pick number four, the Giants minus six at the Bengals. Pick number five, the Colts minus three and a half as they welcome in the Titans. Pick number six, the Panthers plus four and a half in Minnesota. Pick seven, the Saints minus five and a half on the road in Denver. Pick number eight, the Bears plus seven and a half at Lambeau Field on Sunday night football against the Packers. And pick number nine, it's the Seahawks minus six on the road in Philadelphia against the Eagles. So that does it for this week's picks uh, in the National Football League. Make sure to get them in on Bet Online. Make a little bit of money this week. Hopefully I'm able to stay hot for you. Hopefully we are able to continue uh, pushing our record over 500 this season. So best of luck as you get all those picks in this week. Enjoy NFL football this week. Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. Thanks in part to the football you're able to watch on Thanksgiving. Nothing is better than football and food. You get three Thursday games. You get a meal. You get a nap in. You have some fun with the family. It does not get any better than Thanksgiving. So good luck this week. Uh, I hope you're able to hit all of these picks and have a very, very nice Thanksgiving, not just with the family, but make a little bit of money as well. So again, get all those picks in at betonline.ag. And right now, it's time to talk to our friend Jacob Jarvis. Here he is, Ohio State superfan Jake Jarvis, 
First, breaking down the Ohio State game against Indiana. Then we're going to get into what he thinks about Illinois, and we'll finish things off with each of our score predictions for the game against Illinois. So here he is, Jake Jarvis. Okay, Jake, so you and I had pretty different opinions when it came to the Ohio State-Indiana game. I thought it was going to be a blowout. I thought Ohio State was going to dominate, which at times in that game, it felt like they were going to. but. They let Indiana hang around. Indiana comes back and makes it very close. Your score prediction for the game was, what, 45-35? And if Ohio State kicks that field goal instead of going for it on fourth down towards the end of the game, that's exactly how the game would have finished. It was 42-35 Ohio State. Had they kicked that field goal, it would have been 45-35. You would have hit the score prediction perfectly on the head. So, I mean, how'd you do it? How did you know that this was going to happen? Or did you think that... This was how it would happen. I thought it would happen just because of their quarterback, Michael Penix. Um, like I said, he uses his legs. He, he used his legs a lot in the game. I thought he struggled a little bit, but other than that, it was a win. 42-35, it's a win. You're right about that, and it wasn't necessarily the prettiest win ever for Ohio State. We're going to get into that in, in just a minute for a couple of reasons, but I think you're right about Michael Penix. I felt like he was a little bit uncomfortable at the beginning of the game. He struggled a little bit. But once they realized they could kind of just throw it up to Ty Freifogel and, and let him use his size and his body against the Ohio State defensive backfield that really struggled in this game, once they figured it out, they could just, you know, try and test those DBs, go deep a little bit more. They kept doing it, they kept doing it, and they kept finding success. And that's why Penix was so good in the game, and that's why Indiana was able to keep it close. But let's talk about the Ohio State offense because – I mean, Indiana to stay close in this game had to force turnovers. And it's not even like the turnovers led to points for them in this game, but it gave them some confidence. And I don't think they necessarily forced those turnovers by what they did on defense. It was more so bad decision-making from Justin Fields, which you're not really used to seeing. I mean, do you agree with that statement? Do you think that that something was off with Justin Fields for whatever reason? Uh, I would have to say, yeah, there's something off with him. He's trying to make things happen. He's trying to force things a little bit. And I think some of the plays he could have done a little better. I'm not really impressed the way he played in the Indiana game. But I think that's the one game that he didn't play well. Yeah, exactly. It's not something that I'm necessarily worried about because it's the first bad game he's ever had in his college football career. And, And I think you're exactly right. I think he was trying to do a little bit too much. He was trying to force plays because... I think Ohio State comes out and, you know, Josh Proctor starts the game off with that massive hit. Um, they come up with, with an early stop in that game, and then they, they score in two plays. So I think everybody was really excited, really juiced up, and they're like, okay, we're going to win this game. Let's win it big. Let's prove what we are. But then I think they got a little bit too excited where Justin Fields throws that first interception. He's trying to force a ball, maybe trying to make a couple too many things happen on those other interceptions where he's just kind of lobbing it up to a guy and hoping somebody can make a play for him. Where that's not the quarterback that we're used to. That's not the smart Justin Fields that we're used to. But, I mean, are you worried about Justin Fields or do you think he's going to get it back on track? I think he's going to get back on track. The defense for Indiana, um, they were in his face a lot. I think that's part of it. But I think he's going to do okay the next game. Yeah, I think so too, especially against a team like Illinois that has struggled against the pass this season. They've struggled against the run too. 
But uh, before we get to Illinois, what do you think about Ohio State in the running game against Indiana? It finally looked like vintage Ohio State. Master Teague was able to find space and had the best game of his career. Yeah, um, Master Teague, he played well. He had that long touchdown run. I think if our offense can keep him out of trouble and get him a little crease, he can get through uh, and score. Also, uh, Trey, um, he got a couple first downs. I was surprised about that. Um, I think I need to get Trey more involved also. Yeah, I think so too. You know, Master Teague had a great game and he looked good, but I mean, Trey Sermon ran for over six yards a carry in that game against Indiana. So I would have liked to see uh, him get a little bit more involved too. I'm with you there. And I'll be interested to see what Ohio State does um, against Illinois because Illinois is one of the worst run defenses in the Big Ten this season. So I'd expect Trey Sermon to maybe have his best game as a Buckeye against Illinois. But uh, I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about with the game against Indiana? Or like you said, a win's a win, and let's get on to Illinois, and you want to talk about that? Let's get on to Illinois. All right, so talking about the Illini, I don't know what you know about Illinois coming into this game, but uh, they've had some issues this season with the whole COVID-19 situation. They just got their quarterback, Brandon Peters, back for the first time since uh, their season opener against Wisconsin this past week against Nebraska. I mean, they're coming off a huge win against Nebraska, essentially a three-score victory over the Cornhuskers. Um, Illinois has a really good running game. They have two running backs that ran for 100 yards against Nebraska. Both of those guys uh, have over 350 yards this season. They pretty much split the workload evenly, about 55, 60 carries per guy on the season. So, I mean, this is going to be run heavy, I think, against Ohio State, or at least they're going to try to establish the run. I don't know how well they're going to do it because Ohio State's run defense looked great against Indiana. And if I'm Illinois, I watch that Indiana tape and I say, we got to try to pass in this game. But they've got the worst passing attack in the Big Ten this season. Like I said, most of it has been without Brandon Peters, but he hasn't necessarily been impressive in the two games that he's played. He had just over 200 yards against Nebraska, had one touchdown through the air in that game, also another on the ground. So, I mean, what do you expect for Illinois going into this game against Ohio State? First, we'll see, uh, let's get on the, on, onto the offense side of the ball. I think Chase Brown, one of the, he's one of the, a great running back. Uh, what I saw against Nebraska, I think he played a, a really good game. If I'm Brandon Peters, I hand it off to your best guy, Chase Brown. He can run. He can also, you know, I saw a couple spin moves. He looked like he tried his best. But now, now Brandon Peters, um, I think his passing attack, like, like you said, um, it's not, not that good this year. He struggled a little bit. So not really impressive on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, they had both of their running backs go for over 100 yards. Both running backs scored against Nebraska. But, I mean, Nebraska's struggling this season, so you don't really know how good they are. No. But definitely definitely, Illinois can run the football. I'll be interested to see how they throw the football against Ohio State, given the Buckeyes' struggles. Now, we talk about Illinois. We, we don't expect a whole lot from Illinois. Let's be completely no. honest against Ohio State. I don't think they're going to be able to run against Ohio State. Yeah. And I don't think they're really going to be able to throw the ball a whole lot. They've allowed 11 sacks this season. That's uh, top five worst of the Big Ten. Ohio State's defensive line, I mean, they caused issues against Indiana. I thought Michael Penix was throwing off his back foot. He was on the run a lot, like you said, but it worked out. Ohio State was getting through. They just weren't getting him down a whole lot. Brandon Peters is a less dynamic quarterback than Michael Penix. He's not going to be able to do as much with his feet 
and with those 11 sacks, I'd expect Ohio State to cause some issues for him, maybe make some mistakes, throw some interceptions. I just don't see a whole lot from Illinois, even though Ohio State has struggled to defend the pass this season. But what do you expect from the Buckeyes in this game? Illinois' defense hasn't been great this year, so do you think Justin Fields gets right back on track this week? Do you think Ohio State maybe focuses more on the run this week? How do you see it? You know, I think the passing game, if you pass, um, I think that's going to spread out our receivers a little bit. You know, they had some trouble against Indiana. So, you know, if they can get going, uh, I think we'll have a great day against Illinois. Yeah, Illinois has got a decent pass rush. Um, they have 11 sacks this season. On offense, they've allowed 11 sacks. On defense, they have 11 sacks. So a pretty good pass rush. So I'd expect Ohio State to be tested a little bit in the offensive line, but I think just too many weapons in the passing attack for Ohio State. So so I think uh, Justin Fields will have a big day. Yeah. I think the usual suspects, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, they'll have a big day. And I'm going to predict a long touchdown from Jamison Williams in this game against Illinois. I, I think he's going to have a pretty big game against Illinois because, like I said, I think there are just too many weapons to defend. And I think if Illinois puts their focus on the big targets for Ohio State, maybe one of these freshman wide receivers or a younger wide receiver like Jamison Williams is going to have a breakout day. My key player on this game is, is going to be um, Garrett Wilson. And um, the way he played against Indiana, you know, he had a couple great catches, struggled a bit, a little bit, couldn't get open. And also, we need to get our tight ends more involved. You know, um, Luke Farrell, that drop ball, that was inexcusable. Um, he needs to get better. But, you know, I think you're right. Illinois is not that good of a team this year. I think it's going to be a great game for Ohio State. So you're predicting a big win for Ohio State. You think Garrett Wilson, key player for this game, going to have a huge day? I mean, I did the stats uh, the other day. I was thinking about it. I wanted to see kind of what the averages that Ohio State has right now per game, what the numbers would look like in a full season. I mean, if Garrett Wilson stays on the same course that he is right now, he'd have over 100 catches in a normal season, well over 1,000 yards. Chris Olave would have right around 70, 80 catches, also over 1,000 yards. So, I mean – a pair of 1,000-yard receivers, normally, you know, Master Teague would be a 1,000-yard rusher in a normal season. So, I mean, those are huge numbers. So, it's really interesting. I mean, Ohio State's passing attack has been really good for the past couple of seasons. But I think this year, I mean, even minus the interceptions in that game against Indiana, this year has been maybe one of the most impressive seasons for the passing attack in Ohio State history. And, I mean, that's all due respect to what Dwayne Haskins did in 2018, what um, – Justin Fields did last year, but Ohio State's so dynamic when it comes to the pass with these receivers they have. They're just so talented at wide receiver and obviously so talented at quarterback as well. But right now, I think it's time for the score prediction. You comfortable with that? Ohio State right now is 28-point favorites against Illinois, so a pretty big number to open with, uh, even though they struggled against Indiana last week, uh, defensively at least. What do you think? The total for this game set at 68 and a half as well. So they're expecting a pretty high scoring game, but given that it's a 28 point spread, I'd say pretty high scoring in one direction. So what's, what's your score prediction for this game? You know, I want to go Ohio state 56 to 10. All right. Well, mine's 55, 13. So I'm right there with you. I, I think it's going to be uh, pretty similar, but you're expecting a, a big defensive day for Ohio state only 10 points allowed, huh? Yep. 56, 10 for you, 55, 13 for me. So I'm comfortable now. I'm, I'm glad that we're back on the same page and we're right around the same area because I think when you and I have the same idea for a game, 
that's usually how it goes. I mean, you've been right around it this season, but when you and I have had consensus on a game, I think Ohio State is has really performed and it's turned out that way. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad we're back on the same page after we disagreed last week. Yeah, I have to say the same. I think our school predictions are going to do good against Illinois, but time will tell. You know, the game hasn't even started yet, so we'll see who's the closest. Yeah, you're right about that, Jake. And uh, the last thing I got to ask you here, what do you think about that Rutgers and Michigan game, man? I mean, geez, Michigan is really struggling this season. You know, I'm glad they put a new quarterback in because when we play Michigan, I want to see a lot of competition between Michigan and Ohio State. Not one of those blowouts, but the new quarterback. Oh, I forget Cade his McNamara? name. Cade McNamara. McNamara. Yeah, I think he struggled a bit. But if Michigan can get going with their receivers also, I think they're going to be dangerous. You know, they're only two and three, but, you know, time will tell. We'll see uh, what they do next Saturday. So you're you're looking forward to – a really good Michigan-Ohio State game. You're not looking forward to a blowout. You want to see a competitive game like we – I mean, it's been a couple years since it's been a really competitive game. That double overtime, what was that, 2016 probably, the last time yeah, that this game has been pretty competitive? Yeah, I think it was Curtis Samuel. Yep, the, um, Curtis Samuel, the Curtis Samuel touchdown game. I guess 2017 was a little bit competitive too, but Ohio State pulled away. That was the game that Dwayne Haskins had to come in for JT Barrett when he got hurt. If you remember that one. Well, I do. I remember that one. <laughs> but yeah, the past couple seasons have been huge blowouts. So uh, like you said, only time will tell. We'll see if Cade McNamara works out at Michigan. We'll see if they become a little bit more uh, dynamic and a little bit more of a threat for Ohio State. But this week, it's Illinois. This week would normally be the Michigan game. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Thanksgiving week. So this week would normally be the Michigan game, but it's been a crazy season. We're only five weeks into the season and it's Thanksgiving and we're playing Illinois on the road. So to go over it one more time, like Jake said, he's got 56-10 Ohio State. I've got 55-13. We're back on the same page. Jake, as always, thanks very much for this. You got any last things or are you good to go? Go Bucks and let's beat Illinois. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a great week, yeah, Jake. Go Bucks, and I will talk to you next Monday. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. You take care of your family, too. So, as always, huge thanks to Jake Jarvis for joining me this week. Uh, I like his score prediction. We're back on the same page. He nearly hit the score prediction right on the head for Ohio State and in Indiana. So, I mean, y- you got to realize it by now. Jake's good at this. He He has something special when it comes to predicting the scores for Ohio State games. He's a guy that's always been right around that number. So, here's hoping that he's accurate again this week, because if he's accurate, that means I'm accurate this week for Ohio State and Illinois. Now, before you and I get into Ohio State and Illinois, we've got one item as we go around the Oval at Ohio State, and it relates to Jonathan Cooper. Ohio State defensive end Jonathan Cooper has been the highest-graded defender in the Big Ten Conference this season, according to Pro Football Focus, a grade over 90, and that's great to see for Jonathan Cooper because he's a guy that had struggled early in his Ohio State career. He battled injury. He couldn't really get on the field. He was a five-star recruit coming to Ohio State, and he never really came to fruition. We, we never were able to see what he could do. Well, this season, he's making good, and he has been statistically, well, at least analytically, according to Pro Football Focus, not just Ohio State's best defender, but the best defender in the Big Ten Conference. So love to see that out of Jonathan Cooper. Let's hope it continues going forward throughout the remainder of this season. 
Now let's get into it. Number three, Ohio State visiting Champaign to take on the Illinois Fighting Illini Saturday at noon. You can find the game on Fox Sports 1. Buckeyes are 28-point favorites against Illinois. The total is at 68.5. I've seen other places where it's even higher. My pick for that's going to be the under. I'll get into that a little bit later. So if you can get it even higher than 68.5, I'd highly advise getting in on that under because I don't think Illinois is going to score very much in this game. A couple of notes on the Buckeyes before we talk about what to look out for in this game, particularly on the Illinois side. Ohio State is uh, going to look to defend the Illibuck Trophy. Remember, there's a trophy up for grabs in this game. The Illibuck Trophy always goes to the champion of the Illinois-Ohio State game. So the Buckeyes are defending the Illibuck for the first time since 2017. They've beaten Illinois for nine consecutive seasons, and they last played, like I said, in 2017 when the Buckeyes won big 52-14. to So not a whole lot of history, at least in the last decade or so, between these two teams. Uh, when it comes to Illinois' side, at least, Ohio State has been dominant against Illinois for the past 10 or so seasons. But uh, the Illini have been decent this season. They're coming off of back-to-back victories. They're now 2-3 and three on the year. They started the season with three consecutive losses, first to Wisconsin. That was the first Big Ten game of the year. Very, very ugly game on a Friday night. Illinois was hammered. Then they lost to Purdue. Then they lost to Minnesota. But now they're starting to gain a little bit of momentum. They've won back-to-back games, first against Rutgers, and then last week against Nebraska. They beat Nebraska big last week, 41-23 in Lincoln. And they've done what they've done this season with a lot of instability at their quarterback position. Remember, Brandon Peters, he played in the game against Wisconsin, but after that, he's dealt with COVID issues. He he, he was out after that Wisconsin game. He just came back for the first time last week against Nebraska. He went 18 of 25 for 205 yards and a touchdown, eight carries for 36 yards and another touchdown, but... He hasn't been a prolific passer in his two games this season. Nobody has been a prolific passer for Illinois. They've played two backup quarterbacks in addition to Peters this season, so a lot of instability there, but they're not relying on their quarterback play this season. Instead, they're running the hell out of the football. They're averaging 222.4 yards per game, over 5 yards per carry this season, the number 2 rushing offense in the Big Ten, only trailing Ohio State, so they are getting it done almost exclusively on the ground. They're throwing for only 159 yards per game this season, and get this, they only have four passing touchdowns all season long. That all equates to the worst pass offense in the Big Ten. So, polar opposites. One of the best running offenses, one of the worst passing offenses in the Big Ten. Very, very confusing there. So expect Illinois to try to establish the run against Ohio State, but if I'm watching the tape on Ohio State's defense, I'm trying to throw the ball deep. Can Illinois do it? That remains to be seen. On defense, Illinois has struggled, particularly against the run. They're allowing almost 200 yards per game. That is 11th in the Big Ten, so fourth worst in the Big Ten against the run this season. Against the pass, they've struggled just about as much as they have against the run. They've allowed 11 passing touchdowns. They're allowing 253 yards per game through the air. They do, though, have seven interceptions. That's fourth best in the Big Ten. So this defense is okay for Illinois. They've got some players on defense, but don't expect the same effort that we saw 
out of Indiana against Ohio State. I think the Buckeyes are going to win this game big against Illinois. I don't think Illinois poses very much of a threat. So now that we've gone over some of those numbers offensively and defensively for the Illini, let's talk about some matchups to watch this week. And I'm going to focus a lot on Ohio State players versus themselves this week. Because like I said, I don't think Illinois poses a big, big threat against the Buckeyes. So matchups to watch. First and foremost, Ohio State defensive backfields versus or Ohio State DBs, excuse me, versus themselves. That comes down to competition between the guys in the defensive backfield, like I talked about earlier. Kerry Combs, Ohio State's co-defensive coordinator and the guy that's in charge of the DBs, he said that he's going to try some things this week, maybe a couple of new combinations with the cornerbacks, with the safeties, all that. So I'm very, very eager to see what type of competition Ohio State has in the defensive backfield. So that's the OSU DBs versus themselves in one sense. And I also want to see how they respond. I want them to be better. I don't want them to be down on themselves. I want a bounce-back performance. I want them to be mentally tough. I want a bounce-back performance after they stunk last week against Indiana. So matchup number one to watch, the OSU DBs versus themselves in a couple of different senses. Matchup number two, Justin Fields versus himself. And this is exclusively, I want to see a bounce back after just or out of Justin Fields. I don't want to see him repeat last week's performance. I don't want to see him down on himself. I want to see him make good decisions, get back to the Justin Fields that we're used to seeing. So matchup number two, Justin Fields versus himself because he can't let what he did last week snowball, and I do not expect that to happen. Now, matchup number three, and this one has to do with Illinois, the OSU offensive line versus the Illinois front seven. Now, Ohio State has some good, or Illinois rather, has some good defensive linemen. They have good linebackers, but Ohio State, I want to see them run the ball like they did against Indiana. I want to see this offensive line bounce back and have another good performance when it comes in particular to running the football. Like I referenced a little bit earlier in the podcast, I want to see downhill momentum for Ohio State. I want to see this starting to snowball. I want to see the offensive line gelling. I want to see the offensive line becoming more and more comfortable. And as it relates to the run, I trust the pass protection, but I need to see them open holes for these running backs. So I want to see the offensive line have another good performance for the second consecutive week, and I want to see these running backs thrive against Illinois. And something's telling me that that's going to happen. Uh, A couple of players to watch in this game as we finish up our matchups to watch. The two-headed monster at running back for Illinois. They've got Chase Brown, who you heard Jacob talk about, and they've got Mike Epstein. Each of those guys have over 330 rushing yards this season. Each averages just about six yards per carry. They almost split the workload right down the middle. Brown has a slight edge in carries over Epstein. Epstein leads the team with four touchdowns. Brown has two. Brown has back-to-back 100-yard games. Last week, he had 26 carries for 110 yards and two touchdowns against Nebraska. Last week, Epstein had 113 yards on 13 carries and one touchdown against Nebraska. So these guys can run the football. They've got dynamic running backs, so Ohio State's going to have to be ready for both of these guys. And it may benefit Illinois that they're able to use two running backs and potentially wear this defensive front of Ohio State down. Now, in addition to the running backs, their backup quarterback, Isaiah Williams, is also a great runner. He he set an Illinois record running for nearly 200 yards as their starting cornerback or quarterback 
against Rutgers. So, I mean, he's not going to start at a, or against Ohio State. That's going to be Brandon Peters. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them have some packages for Isaiah Williams, try and confuse Ohio State a little bit. So keep your eyes out for their backup quarterback, Isaiah Williams. He can run the heck out of the football. Uh, talking about Illinois' wide receivers a little bit, as well as their tight ends, their three leading receivers this season are all averaging over 14 yards per catch, with his, which is very good. But they don't throw the ball a lot. It's not coming in volume. They have uh, some quick hits, but not a lot of volume. Um, their leading receiver is USC transfer Josh Amaterbebe. He's six foot two, 220 pounds, so a big receiver. He might cause some problems for the OSU DBs, like we saw last week with Ty Freifogel of Indiana. Amaterbebe leads the team with 15 catches for 215 yards and two touchdowns. He's good. He's coming off his best game this season, four catches for 71 yards and a touchdown against Nebraska. So a little bit of chemistry with Brandon Peters. So keep your eyes out for Josh Amaterbebe. He could cause some problems for Ohio State. Now, their second leading receiver is tight end Daniel Barker. He's got 12 catches for 174 yards, so a bigger body that uh, these quarterbacks have relied on this season, so keep your eyes out for him. And their third leading receiver is Brian Heitzauer. He's averaging over 20 yards per catch this season. He's got seven catches for 141 yards and a touchdown, but he has only one game this year with more than one catch. So talking about volume, he's a guy that doesn't see a whole lot of targets, doesn't see a whole lot of action, but when he does, he's made the most of it this season, averaging over 20 yards per catch. So he could be a deep threat in this game against Ohio State. He could be somebody that uh, tries to stretch the field. So keep your eyes out for Brian Hightower because he could cause some issues if he is used and if Illinois wants to try throwing the football deep. Now, the last guy I want to talk about as it relates to their offense is wide receiver Donnie Navarro. He's a guy that hasn't seen a lot of action this season, but I want to bring him up because he might have some chemistry with Brandon Peters. As uh, Peters returned last week against Nebraska, and Navarro had five catches for 58 yards, so maybe a safety valve option, Donnie Navarro for Brandon Peters. So just another guy that I want you to be aware of uh, as it relates to this Illinois offense. Now talking about their defense, Owen Carney leads Illinois with four and a half sacks. He's going to be coming off the edge, so he's probably the most dangerous guy to watch on the defensive line for Illinois. At linebacker, Jake Hansen, he's their best defender. Jake Hansen leads the team in tackles with 44, tied for the team lead in tackles for loss with Owen Carney. They each have six and a half tackles for loss. Hansen also tied for the team lead in interceptions and forced fumbles. He has two of each, so he's a guy that can make it happen. Jake Hansen has to have a big day if Illinois wants to have any chance against Ohio State, but asking one man to do that is a pretty tall task. One DB to watch for Illinois, Devin Henderson, tied for the team lead with two interceptions, so if any guy is going to cause issues for Justin Fields in the defensive backfield, it'll be Devin Henderson but I don't see a lot of hope for Illinois this week. I think the Buckeyes win this game big. And with that in mind, right now it's time for my picks. Uh, like I said, the spread this week, the Buckeyes by 28. That's going to be my pick. In our score predictions, Jake had Ohio State covering. I had Ohio State covering. So I think that's what's going to happen. Illinois is 3-2 and two against the spread this season. Ohio State is 2-2. Two and two. The Buckeyes 2-1 and one against the spread in their last three games against Illinois winning those games by an average of 45 to 10. So winning by an average of 35 points. The spread at 28 points, so they're expecting a four-touchdown victory for Ohio State. 
History shows that the Buckeyes beat Illinois by more than that. I think that's going to happen this week. I think the Buckeyes get right back on track with a massive victory. So I like the Buckeyes minus 28. Now, the total set at 68.5. Um, I've seen on some places that it's even higher than that right now. I'm going with the under. Um, again, with our score predictions, Jake and I both had under 68.5 points. So I really like the under this week because I think Ohio State's going to be able to get into the 50s, but I don't see Illinois scoring very much, if at all, this week against Ohio State. Um, a couple of items for you. The over is hit in two of the last three meetings between Ohio State and Illinois, but certainly those over-unders were lower than 70 points. Um, the under has hit in three of Illinois' five games this season, so that tells you they're not scoring a whole lot. Their defense has been pretty good in those games, but they're not scoring a whole lot. So I like the under to hit because I think Ohio State wins big in, in them winning big, Illinois is not going to score very many points. So my picks this week, Ohio State minus 28 in the under of 68.5. If you can get it at 70, if you can get it higher than 70, uh, get get those unders as well because you're going to get more value there. But I like Ohio State big this week against Illinois like probably just about everybody else does. So that's going to do it this week on Believe in Ohio State. Let's hope the Buckeyes are able to show us who they really are this week. Let's hope the defense is able to get back on track, and let's hope for a good week by these defensive backs. So I'd like to say a big thank you to Jake Jarvis for joining me this week. He has been so fun to talk to all season long. His predictions have been right on the money. I hope you guys like hearing from Jake as well because I know he really, really enjoys doing this and I enjoy having him. So I hope that you guys like having him on too. So a big thanks to Jake Jarvis. And I've got to say a big thank you to all of you listening out there and a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I'm thankful for all of you. You guys make this podcast possible. You're why I do this podcast. So thank you very, very much from the bottom of my heart for listening. Thank you very much uh, for listening this week week and i wish you a very very happy and healthy thanksgiving so that will do it for this week on believe in ohio state have an excellent thanksgiving and an excellent relaxing safe happy healthy weekend with your family with yourself whoever you're going to spend it with have a great thanksgiving weekend and i am very eager to get back with you talk to you this time next week The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.